0: This is Around the Rim with China Robinson.
1: Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to another episode of your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. Um, I am your host, Lachina Robinson, joined once again by our fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. And we have so much to talk about in the show this week. Yes, it is WNBA playoff time, so... We are actually going to jump right into the show. Um, a couple things, just so you guys know what's coming up. Christy Tolliver, uh, the sharpshooter from the Washington Mystics, will join us later in the show. Um, at the very end of our show this week, we are also going to have the entire the entire speech from uh, Rebecca Lobo after her Hall of Fame induction. So we're really excited about that. But... Speaking of Rebecca, we are starting off with our roundtable, and we have some fantastic guests that are going to help us break down the WNBA playoffs so far. So, please join me in welcoming, as I mentioned, um, newly minted Hall of Fame Rebecca Lobo, um, basketball analysts, both college and WNBA, and the voice of the Washington Mystics, Christy Winter Scott, as well as Women's Hoops World founder, Sue Favors. Welcome to the show, ladies. Damn. Thanks for having us, Lachana. So well, let's jump right into the action because there's so much going on right now. Exciting times at WNBA because it is the playoffs. The championship is on the line. We're in our second year of the new format. So we had the top eight seeds uh, qualify. We had the first two rounds of single elimination games, and now we are in the best of five semifinals. But for the fans, we are going to recap, and let's start with round one.
0: First quarter.
1: So the first quarter, as you guys know, is our blow-the-whistle quarter. Um, so the first matchup in our, that I want to kind of talk about was uh, the Seattle Storm uh, played the Phoenix Mercury, and Seattle obviously crawled into the playoff. They did qualify for the top eight after um, really finishing the season strong a- after a coaching change. They did fall a little bit down the stretch of the regular season, but they had their better games after Gary Kloppenberg took over. Now Seattle would fall to Phoenix – 79-69, um, to 69. and, you know, I don't think there were any surprises here necessarily. The game was at Phoenix, actually was at um, Arizona State because Talking Stick Resort was unavailable for the Mercury. But, uh, you know, you got Diana Taurasi, you have Brittany Griner, uh, Leilani Mitchell has, has come on strong, in, in particular in that game, did some good things. But I think the question marks are around Seattle. Now, I don't think it's a big deal that they lost. It might have been kind of how they lost. This was a team that didn't, they kind of looked out of sorts. Uh, We've seen them have these moments of, hey, they're not clicking. What's happening here? Um, Sue, I'm going to start with with you as kind of our our West Coast representative. Um, What are kind of your thoughts on Seattle's performance in the playoffs and what may happen from here for that team?
0: Boy, you know Yeah, Seattle. Seattle, I know it uh, was kind of a mystery to everyone. They just they went up and down and kind of all over the place. Um, they just, you know, I, I don't want to try to guess their team chemistry because that's a very personal thing with the team. But um, they just have too much talent to be, um, I guess, underachieving. With all due respect, they just have too much talent to be underachieving as they were this season. And so, um, clearly, they just need to maybe all get on the same page. They just need a good, strong leader. Um, you know. Hopefully the owners, the owners really care about that team a lot. Hopefully the owners are, are, I'm sure they're already working on getting a wonderful coaching uh, a new coach for that team. And I think under the right leadership, that team could do a lot because we've seen glimpses of their full potential, you know, all the way through the season. You know, obviously they have Sue Bird, um, Brianna Stewart and Jewel Loya combination is just amazing. And they have, they, you know, they have some other really nice, pieces to that team and then it would be up to that coach and general manager to see um, you know how much more depth they could get for that roster because I, I would I guess that'd be the only uh, problem I personally saw with Seattle is that they just need a little more depth to their team
1: yeah you know it's interesting because um, you know well first of all the good news is it sounds like Sue Bird's going to be back you know based on their comments in their postgame presser but there are three number one picks on this team with Sue Bird, Jewel Lloyd as you mentioned and Brianna Stewart Uh, Rebecca this I was wondering what you think about this Uh, are we putting too much I mean this team doesn't have a lot of experience I mean Brianna Stewart is just finishing up her second season July's in her third so are we are we maybe our expectations for this team especially in the playoffs are they too high right now
2: Um, I don't know necessarily that expectations are too high you know when you look at the matchups, Phoenix is a really tough matchup for Seattle. Seattle, the one area, um, you know, as as good as Crystal Langhorn played this year, as efficient as she is, she's a small, undersized five. That's a tough matchup for them to go against Brittany Griner. Um, you know, there were just certain uh, matchups in that game that, that played in Phoenix's favor, and you know, Seattle's interesting. I, I you know. Maybe some there's some uh, chemistry that needs to be improved, but I think they also have to find some upgrades. They have to find um, whether in the draft, free agency, whatever, a big five who can compete, um, you know, with some of the bigs that that you have in the West, especially Sylvia Files and Brittany Griner. Um, you know, a, a three player that has size but can also um, shoot uh, shoot the three consistently. So. You know, I th- while they have a lot of really nice pieces, when you look at other teams around the league, uh, LA, Minnesota, um, those teams have more of those pieces. So, um, you know, I thought Gary Koffenberg did a really nice job with the team once he took over, and now it's just going to be a matter of um, can they, you know, put enough talent on the floor to match up night in and night out with um, LA, with uh, Minnesota. And, um, you know, some of the some of the other young teams uh, like Connecticut, who seem like they have all the pieces uh, that they need and just have to cultivate them and get them experience.
1: Yeah. And I think you make a good point um, about the bigs, because in that loss to Phoenix, Crystal Langhorne got into foul trouble early in which meant Carolyn Swords had to come in and play extended minutes. She did not have good chemistry with with the starting unit, you know, and I know her her minutes have not been maybe what people expected this year because of – how much she was traded for, you know, her value. Um, but there were just moments where she was not ready for passes or just did not seem like the right fit with that group. So um, I definitely think you're you on to something in terms of what are they going to do with that at the, at the post position, especially looking at the way that post players have dominated the league this year, whether it be Griner or Fowles, John Quill Jones, and so on. Um, the other first-round game was a single-elimination game. Um, Dallas uh, lost to the Washington Mystics the Mystics um, did have a home win um, and advanced in the playoffs for the first time since 2002, largely due in that game to the performance of um, Emma Miesemann, Elena Deladon, and Crystal Thomas, who had 17 rebounds, which was just ridiculous, but um, they've been great on the glass. So they advanced to play the New York Liberty, number three seed in waiting, and, um, In the garden, and Christy, I definitely want to go right to you on this game. The Mystics would win eighty-two to sixty-eight after a rather slow start. Um, But Christy Tolliver, Christy and Christy, um, Christy Tolliver put on a performance for the ages. I mean, the best, the greatest shooting performance I've ever been in attendance for nine three pointers, which was. Um, broke franchise records, WNBA records, all of the above. Um, Let's start with just Christy's performance based on what you've seen this season and how comfortably she has been integrated into the team at this point. Well, I think Christy
3: Tolliver's performance in New York was
1: phenomenal. And
3: I don't care what level you're talking about, she was just relentless in terms of her attack and her mental awareness and what the team needed from her. Against the Liberty on on the road like that after a really physical, grinded out game against Dallas to come back and, and and knew the team needed her performance to be spectacular like that. She needed to excel. She needed to step forward, and she did it. And for it to be a single elimination situation, I think that brings out the best in Christy Tolliver. We've seen that from her in the past, and for her to hit nine threes, that's just such a, a magnificent display of focus. And I don't care what level you're talking about, whether it's high school, college, professional, that's just so exciting to see and to see that that kind of performance is a possibility. So I think she inspired and encouraged the the next generation of basketball players to know when your back is against the wall, that this is what you can do when you're locked in. And I think Coach Tebow really has presented that to her. We need you to be that player for us. And, I remember when she came to DC, there was a, a conference call with her and Coach Thibault and when, when they first signed her before the season started, he said, we need you to be that leader. You've won on every single level. We want that winning culture here and that voice in the locker room. And she wants that for herself. She says, I'm here to be that leader. You know, she's been um, in the, in the background in terms of being a leader for her team on several of her other teams that she played for. So for her to step into that leadership role, I think that's what's most important about her performance. And, you know, they, they're they going to need a steady, consistent performance like that from Christy Tolliver. It can't just be one or two players for Washington. It has to be a collective effort, and they have to have strong bench as well. And, you know, you heard Cheryl Reeve say that. Everyone scouts the, the starters, but it's the bench that plays against the opponent's bench, and that's what the X factor usually is in games.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're right about Chrissy Tolliver's mentality. Like, we know, I mean, she did this at Maryland, your alma mater. Obviously, the mm-hmm. the year that you guys won the national championship, she came in ready to fire away, ready for the big moments. It's just amazing to see players like her, like Diane Tarazi, who just, in the clutch... That's what they love, you know, and and it reminded me there was a shot that Christy hit last year in in game five against Minnesota with like four minutes left to go that, Uh in my opinion, changed the complexion of the game. She hadn't played well. She was on the bench, but she got back in and hit like a ridiculous, impossible shot. Rebecca, you probably remember this. And I was like, okay, that is (laughs) that's a talent to be able to to do that in those situations and watching her do that in the garden was, you know, like watching Steph Curry. I mean, off of the bounce, she was just high. It was like watching the great performances we've seen in the garden from Reggie Miller. But you're, 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 also you touched upon just her role with this team and Mm -hmm. um, she, there were a lot of voices in LA and I think this is the part that's kind of missed there are a lot of voices in LA. There's Candace. There's um, Necca. You know. Right. Uh, there's Beard. You know. I mean, there's so many voices. And I think in talking to Christy, she wanted the pressure to be on her shoulders. You know, she wanted to be that voice to have to change a little bit in terms of her leadership style, be more yeah. vocal and for the team to really rely on her. The question moving forward now, uh, and, and we'll we'll talk about Minnesota in a minute, but let's put a bow on Washington. Do they have enough offense to make it a series with Minnesota, Christy? Do they have – and is that and is that what it's going to take? Because this doesn't look like a great defensive team to me. Now, mm-hmm. with the big lineup, you, you can test shots on the interior. Mike Tebow is a genius when it comes to scouting – but the right. amount of offense that Minnesota can put on the board, can, can Washington match that? I think it's really
3: tough because, yes, Washington has the ability to score. We saw that against Dallas, and, you know, we saw that against Seattle when they put up 110 points. So, yes, they've had games where they've had five players in double figures. They've had players come off the bench, of Hawkins. Um, to name one in particular has been consistently productive off the bench for the Mystics. But I think when you're talking about a team like Minnesota who has the most efficient defense in the league, they know how to take those things away. And I think that is the challenge for the Mystics right now is can you just counter the best defensive team in the league and do your best job on offense? So I think it, it remains to be seen. And Lucky it is a five-game series, so if Washington can sneak out a game on the road against Minnesota, that's when that's when the tournament. I mean, I'm sorry, that's when the series actually starts. And the first two games were like the NCAA tournament, where it's, you're out of there if you don't perform. But in a five-game series, they have time to calculate, change things, and like you said, Mike Tebow, he's a, a master at game planning and look to see some different things from him, but. Can they score enough? I don't know. I I think it it remains to be seen. I think it it depends upon the mindset and who's locked in and who's ready just to attack on the glass and get those second-chance opportunities that I didn't think Washington got in game one. So I think they have to produce their own offense, but they have to stay in attack mode.
1: Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to see because they did have enough offense to beat New York, but New York's not a great offensive team. Uh, but but New York does have a tough defense. And speaking of New York, and Rebecca, Sue, I'll throw this out to you guys. Um, what, you know, another early outing for the Liberty. Third year in a row, they have the best record in what would be the, quote, Eastern Conference, even though that doesn't matter as much now. Um you know, finish the season on a 10 game win streak and they lose at home. You know, they're upset once again, in the playoffs, uh, either one of you that may want to take this, what, what, what needs to change in New York in order for them to make a mark in the postseason?
2: Um, you know, it's a tough one. You know, New York ran into a Washington team on a night when you had a player who was ridiculously hot. I mean, Christy Tolliver, as you've already talked about, will Washington to victory over that game in that game. Uh, you know, New York, to me, has the pieces, um, and they were playing so well, and and Tina Charles being um, having an, another remarkable and incredible year in the post. They've got the post pieces that they need. You know, they just need, um, to me, one of those guards, whether it's going to be Sugar or Chavante um, or Epiphany, to kind of be the one who in those big moments can step up and take her team on her shoulders. And and that's where it needs to come from. It needs to come from a guard in these moments because as great as the post players are, it's the guards who when you really need a bucket, who is going to be the player who does that. And all those guards that I mentioned are capable of it. In particular Epiphany Prince, so it's just a matter of do they have that mindset, can they get that mindset to to be the Christy Tolliver of that game and, and get their team to the next round? Because, you know, New York is is such a dangerous team in a series because of how they play big, physical, strong, the way they defend. They're a team that can wear you out over the course of the series. The problem is over the past couple of years with the new playoff format, they haven't been able to get into a series. Um, losing yeah. this first game and, and, and the, the one-game format is where if you have a star, especially at the guard position, who can go off one night, They can elevate your team and get you to that next round. And and we saw that, um, you know, again with Christy Tolliver in in that game.
0: I was going to say, just to piggyback on what Rebecca was saying, that um, I I definitely concur. I I would say also that New York should probably work on consistency. Um, Just somebody does need to take that leadership role. And then the, all the role players need to step up and be consistent because they do have some amazing players. But they just need to be um, consistent on a nightly basis to really make a difference for the for the franchise because they do. They have everything they need, especially when Brittany Boyd comes back.
1: Yeah, I just hate that it seems like offense continues to be the problem. Like, when we've seen them go out early in the playoffs, there's nobody. I remember asking Bill Embiid the same exact question in the fourth quarter um, you know a year ago or two years ago um, you know hey who's who are you going to look to to scoring late to score late and they have the pieces like you said Rebecca uh, Epiphany Prince Shavante Zell, sugar they all are capable I mean even Bria Hartley trying to do what she can I just don't understand what's the hesitancy to take over and Bill's a great defensive coach but I definitely need to see something change on offense. You know, it's gotta be frustrating to lose the same way year after year. Anyway, we are done with, uh, the New York Liberty moving on to the semifinals.
0: Second quarter inside the huddle.
1: So Phoenix moves on to play LA and Minnesota makes their debut as the number one seed against Washington. And I'll be honest with you guys. I, I, don't, I think this is the best I've seen Minnesota look um, all year, in my personal opinion. Uh, they scored 101 points, in beating Washington 101-81. to 81. Simone Augustus had 24 points on 11 of 17 shooting. Renee Montgomery had 18. Syl had 18. Maya had 14. They had 18 points off turnovers. Um, 60% from the field. 71% from the three-point line. 12 of 17 from three. But I want to hear really quickly from Simone Augustus um, on last night's performance. Well, Simone, your team had eight days between games, but no signs of rust. What was your mindset coming into tonight? Um, I got a phone call from my grandmother. She told me to shoot the ball, so that was one thing. Uh, But just be aggressive. Just come out and be aggressive. Like you said, we had eight eight days to rest, recover, um, go over game plans and schemes to get ready for today. And um, you can see the aggressiveness that we came out with tonight. 12 three-pointers for your team something that cheryl reed has talked a lot about adding what does that do for your offense when you're hit you guys are hitting from the outside it opens it up for sylvia i mean obviously everybody knows she's the the go-to player on our team as far as offense so when we're able to hit threes on the outside and loosens up the defense to get her inside she got a lot of easy shots tonight they 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 couldn't bring the double team
4: like they wanted to because of the way we were shooting the ball
1: you have a lot of experience, obviously, in the playoffs, but every year is different with different teams. What is it about this team in the postseason that you guys will have to do to continue the success you've had? Look, we um, you know we only got a little bit of time left. You know, we're getting old, and uh, but we just want to enjoy the moment. We embrace every time we get an opportunity to play in the playoffs and have an opportunity to put another ring on our finger. Thank you, Simone. Thank you. So. When you look at this overall performance uh, by Minnesota, I was just, again, it, you know they're good, but the 12 three-pointers to counter Sylvia Fowles on the inside I think is is just – it's going to be hard to deal with if they continue to shoot the ball this well. Um, Sue, your thoughts on just what you saw from them in their debut.
0: Man, they just. Um, well, on the one hand, I wasn't surprised that they came out like that. You knew they were they were ready to go as when Waylon announced that she was going to return. But they did look ama- especially amazing. Um, they're just so deep and so polished on every um, on every position, and anybody can step up at any time. Simone kind of came out of nowhere. She hasn't um, really had a big game like that in a while, so she kind of put everybody on notice that, the fact that yeah, hey, I'm still here. Um, you got Waylon back, who's that's that's the head of their team. So they've got their emotional leader back as well. Um, they've just got so many weapons and so much experience, and they're so determined. Um, really, the the if the, if it's the Sparks that do advance, uh, the Sparks are going to have their hands full with that one. Any team, well,
1: Rebecca, when you see those numbers and you see that performance now, Lizzie Waylon did come back, but I mean she she really didn't have a huge impact. And when I say this on the on the box score. But obviously she does so many things for the team, but she's still working her way back. Um, and, and they did have eight days off. And let's be honest, they didn't have eight days to work on Washington because they didn't know who they were playing. You know what I mean? So um, just your thoughts on the way that they, they played last night.
2: Um, I think the eight days was the biggest keto at all, La uh, China you know when you have a team like Minnesota um a little bit older, rest is paramount and early in the season, when they were playing great basketball the first half of the season, their schedule was you know they would play um a game and then have four days off a game and then have four days off. It was a really weird kind of quirk in their schedule. Later on in the season, they had more games that were um, you know playing three or four in a week and of course that coincided with Lindsey Whalen getting injured with Rebecca Brunson missing games so what you saw um, in the first round against Washington was a mostly healthy and rested veteran team and uh, you know their bodies felt good and when they do you got to see them at the top of their game. Simone Augustus was rested and ready to go. Rebecca Brunson looked great. Um, Sylvia Fowles, you know, she's not as uh, as old as, as the other guys, so she's been, uh, you know, consistent the rest of the way. But I think rest has been huge, and I think that's going to be a big key for Minnesota as well. If they can win this series, if they can sweep this series and get that extra rest until the final start, it will be huge for them. But they've also, you know, they, they also made those shots. Cheryl Reeve is a terrific coach. They totally um, were able to exploit the way Washington was defending them, switching on screens. I mean, Simone Augustus had a has a phenomenal game. Half of her jumpers were taken over. Crystal Thomas, after there was an on-ball switch on a on a pick and roll type of play. So, you know, Cheryl Reeve's been here before. Um, she put them in that position. But I think when when you have elite players. Um, and veteran players, when they're rested and they've had a chance to recoup their body, they can go out and do what Minnesota did in, in the first game.
1: Yeah, and I, I would even go back to the rest they got in the off season. Um, you know, Simone not going overseas for the first time in ten years. Lindsay again staying home. Maya staying home. This is where we may see where that impacts this team. You know, I mean, early on, I think Maya probably would tell you she was miserable starting the season because she wasn't in rhythm and, you know, she hadn't played in a while. She wasn't at her best. But it's like, okay, but what will this do for you guys in the playoffs with an older team. So that may be a part of it as well. Um, Again, Chrissy already talked about some of the things that Washington will need to do. So this will be an interesting series, but you're right. That rest will really be major. It would also give Lindsey Whalen some more time to not only heal, um, but to get back integrated with the team. But I think Renee Montgomery definitely looks like she has benefited completely from the confidence that has come from her having to be the starting point guard for this team. Um, over and over. Now, switching gears to Game One of the best-of-five series in the WNBA playoff semifinals for Phoenix in LA, um, which was Game Two on this night of doubleheaders, the LA Sparks would go on to beat the Phoenix Mercury seventy-nine to sixty-six. The Sparks are the number two seed, so they've got the home court advantage. And let's start off with an interview by our very own Holly Rowe, who spoke to Candace Parker after the game.
5: Well, Candace, right before this game, this playoff run, you tweak your ankle in pregame warm-ups. How were you able to reset your mind and start this game? You guys are on it, huh? We're on it. <laughs> um... Stuff happens. You know, I've been battle-tested my whole career with injuries, so this is nothing new. Um, but I'm proud of how our team responded. We had we had a little rust, uh, but we came out and we battled hard. A, a, a great team. I thought you in particular battled hard, Candice, because you'd go up for a basket and then you'd win. This wasn't easy for you to fight through tonight. How did you do it? <laughs> well, you know, unfortunately I played through, you know, injuries. Um, You never know what journey you'll go through, but I'm just happy that we got the win, and our team stepped up big today. They really did. All five starters in double figures. What kind of tone does that set for this title defense trying to move on in the playoffs? Well, I think just defensively. You look at it that way. Um, We didn't shoot the ball amazing today, but we were able to get it done on the defensive end, get down, get to the free throw line, and and take it to the basket. All right, get to the locker room. I feel some ice in your future. (laughs) I appreciate it.
1: So um, that was Holly Rowe with uh, Candace Parker, who did tweak that ankle. Um, God, she, Candace is so right. This ESPN crew um, game was called by Rebecca Lobo, Ryan Rucco, and, and, and Holly Rowe. Uh, they were all on top of it. but. At the end of the day, it was their defense. They held the Mercury to 66 points, and in particular, the second half, Phoenix really limited. Um, Elena Beard had 11 points and really was fantastic with her defense on Diane Tarazi. Uh, Neko Gumake had 19. Parker still ended up with 15 points. Odyssey Sims with 12. And Chelsea Gray, who had 13 points and 6 assists, and it, it was just so much fun to watch. Forty-six fouls called in in this game, which I know there were so many stoppages, um, so many ref reviews. Uh, Diana had six points, did not really look like herself. Christy, what did you see from DT in that game? And was it just the defensive player of the year, Elena Beard, um, that that made the difference on what Diana was able to contribute? Well, I think with Elena Beard getting that assignment, I think
3: that took – uh, a lot out of Diana Sarasi having to work harder to get touches, not just to get to her shot, but to get a touch on the ball. So she didn't take um, a ton of attempts. So when you have less attempts, obviously you're going to get less production. So Elena Beard being the defensive player of the year for the first time ever, which is shocking to even say out loud, um, just her, her relentlessness on the defensive end, I think um, really changed things for L.A. like it's done all season. But I think with Phoenix, you know, the foul trouble and you know Brittany Greiner fouling out, I think it was that was a factor. And I think a lot of players were in foul trouble in the first quarter. You know, there were several players with two fouls and three fouls by the half. And that changes the way you play in terms of the decisions you make defensively and offensively. Are you going to take that? You see the defender in front of you, are you going to take that and, and risk getting a charge called on you? So it changes your aggressiveness. It changes your mentality and, and the choices that you make. But I think with L.A., uh, they're just playing so tough right now. And, and even when, you know, Phoenix had a little mini run here and there during the game, you know, L.A. stabilized themselves with their defensive effort, and I think that's what they're going to hang their hat on in that series.
1: Yeah, um, and Rebecca, that you know, I really <laughs> – Diana is rarely in this doesn't happen very often. And they put up a graphic last night of the number of times Diana has been held to nine points or six points. And, you know, we can all count on one hand. I kept saying, God, she is going to get going in the fourth quarter. So Christy, I think, I think you're absolutely right. She could not get into a rhythm whatsoever. Elena Beard, no doubt defensive player of the year. And you can see the impact last night that she's able to have on a game. But Rebecca, I had the sound. I was in a bar, so I couldn't hear the game. I'm going to go back and watch it. But I'm I, I'm just curious. What do you hope to see happens? Um, and I don't want to get you fined. But from an officiating standpoint, and you can take the players. You can you can take the players' perspective. How can they adjust? Um, or maybe how you would like to see things happen differently, so there are not as many monitor reviews. I know that was a lot of game stoppage. I, I don't even know again because I wasn't able to hear you. If you thought a lot of those fouls were, were good calls, bad calls, but. Just um, how can this be fixed so that the fans can have a better experience watching the game?
6: Um, you know what? The, I didn't
2: have really any issues with the monitor reviews last night. And to, to be honest, I didn't have um, issues with the with the officiating. Um, the players need to adjust the way they play. There were... It was a it was a a hard game to watch. It was a hard game to call. It had to have been a hard game to play because the players weren't able to find any rhythm because of the stoppages. But with China, they were fouling. Like, both teams were fouling each other a lot, and so the refs had to blow the whistle and call it that way. So, you know, it was frustrating, I think, for fans to watch and um, had to have been frustrating to play, but I don't put all that onus on the officials. The, The players need to clean it up. And um, when you talk about Diana Taurasi, I mean, if you look at Phoenix's schedule in these playoffs, play at home, you know, then fly to Connecticut, play at Connecticut. They had a 13-hour travel day to get from Connecticut to L.A. They didn't fly direct. They drove to Boston. It was craziness. Um, And so I think what you saw, especially in the second half from Diana Taurasi, was a tired veteran. At one point, we we showed a replay because we're talking about Elena Beard. Yes, absolutely, Elena Beard does a really good job on Diana. But we were talking about Elena Beard and 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 what she was doing defensively. We showed a replay, and it was the possession of Elena guarding Diana, and Diana was on the left wing and didn't move the entire possession. Um, even even you, LaChina, could probably have guarded her on that particular possession. It was, <laughs> I don't know about it that. Was a, it, it was a, it was a tired Diana Trothy which is completely understandable considering the, the travel schedule and having played two days before. That being said, I'm hoping in game two that the players will adjust, that we'll get to see a bit of a more free-flowing game. You guys had a great one. Your, your, your game, um, your Minnesota uh, Washington game, you know, it was finished in under two hours. It wasn't, you know, bogged down by calls. Uh, for the most part, there was a good flow. We never, we never had that in the LA Phoenix game. There was never a flow where players and uh, and teams got into a rhythm. And so I'm hoping in, in game two that the players will kind of figure that out, get it, get a better feel, find more of a flow. And if they do, and if Phoenix does. It's going to open things up for Diana Trossi because if she's moving, if she's in the flow, there are times when she can be unguardable. Her game, you know, it's, it's, while kind of the, 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 the beatdown game works for Brittany Griner, that, that's not as much of Diana's game. So, uh, you know, hopefully for all WNBA fans and viewers, we, <laughs> we get a much more free flowing game in game two.
1: Yeah, you make a great point because Diana has had to take some time to rest this season. You know, I mean, it has been a grind. And I think a lot of that is the load that's been put on her. I mean, her and Brittany, you know, let's be honest. You know, Danielle Robinson is not what I think she will be for this team in the future. Monique Curry has hit a really rough stretch. You know, Camille Little still getting integrated. So the experience pieces of this team Um, They don't have the depth that I think we thought they would have at at the beginning of the season. And so, yes, you've had Leilani Mitchell step up and and Vonnie Turner as a a rookie, but it still has fallen heavily on Brittany, especially when Brittany was out. You know, I mean, that was exhausting for Diana because she had to keep the team rolling. And and also about the schedule, because we did see that graphic last night and I failed to, to mention, yes, in the second round, Phoenix did um, beat Connecticut, eighty-eight to eighty-three. So yet again, they're playing on the road. The amount of emotional um, energy that that takes to, to bring a team along—I think you're absolutely right. I will. I will wrap this this conversation with this though. Neca, in the post game, uh, in her post game comments, said she has been a part of more physical games than than what she experienced last night. Um, And basically was saying that she doesn't feel like the number of fouls is necessarily an indication of how physical the game was. So to me, that sounded like NECA saying there were a lot of fouls called and the game wasn't even necessarily that physical. So I'm interested in, you know, to see how the players adjust. You're right. Like, because they have to now make the difference. Now, the officials have set the tone they're the ones that are going to kind of have to change the way the game is played. Um, Ladies, I want to thank you for your time. Before we go, and I told you guys this um, at the top of the show, at the end of Around the Rim today, we are going to play Rebecca Lobo's entire Hall of Fame speech. But we want to take a moment, and I'm sure on behalf of Christy and Sue and I know Tarika to just say congratulations Rebecca um on everything it was a beautiful night I was so excited and honored to be there everyone who was somebody in basketball was there which I don't even know how I ended up in the room um God's grace but you were a great representation of everything that's right about our game I mean the way you have always carried yourself um as a player as a broadcaster but in particular how beautiful and amazing you were on that night, how you looked, how you spoke, how funny you were, was really a pleasure for us to watch. Um, and, and you just represented our game so well. So to end this conversation, I would just like to know, as you look hindsight, what was that night like for you?
2: <laughs> you know, it was, it was a phenomenal weekend all around. And first of all, thank you. Cause I know it took a lot of effort for you to get there. And it meant a lot to me for you to be there. So thank you for that Lachina. Um, it was It was magical, I mean the whole weekend, but in particular that night was just absolutely magical. um I was thrilled obviously it was uh it was a, a dream of a lifetime and um but to to be able to celebrate it with the people that mean the most to me in my life um my parent, you know my dad being there my my kids being there, my husband, so many friends and colleagues being there um it was magical, and uh, for sure, I, I will never, ever forget looking over and seeing Larry Bird blush, uh, my childhood <laughs> my childhood hero. Uh, that was, without question, one of the highlights of the night for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't choose between that and your daughter not knowing that boys played basketball. I mean, fans, <laughs> please stick around for the end of this podcast because, or your husband sleeping at the New York Liberty game. But, yeah, please stick around and hear uh, Rebecca's speech. But thank you so much, Rebecca. Um, for everything you do for the game. And Christy, Sue, the two of you as well, thank you so much for everything you do for the game. Fans, um, please continue to follow these wonderful women on Twitter and and, and with everything they're doing on their platforms. I'll give you their contact information at the end of the show, but Tarika is going to hit me if I don't let you guys go. Uh, Fans, just a reminder that uh, the second set of games for the semifinals will be this Thursday, September 14th. Um, Washington and Minnesota of first eight o'clock on ESPN two, and then the second game ten p.m. ESPN two, L.A. and Phoenix. Thank you, ladies, so much for your time and your insight, and um, enjoy the rest of the playoffs.
3: Thank you. Thank Have you, a great Diana. day.
1: Well, fans, that is it for our roundtable. I want to take a moment to thank Christy Winter Scott, Sue Favors, and Rebecca Lobo for all of their insight. Please follow. These women, um, via social media, they're always tweeting about women's basketball. They do fantastic work from writing articles to, um, you know, broadcast coverage for Christy and Rebecca. Um, Christy Scott can be found at Christy W. Scott 51 on Twitter. Uh, Sue Favors is at hoopism. And then Rebecca Lobo is just at Rebecca Lobo. So I want to thank them for their time. It is halftime, but stay right where you are because coming up now is the sharpshooter christy tolliver who's going to join the show to talk about her mama mentality as well as her washington mystics run in the playoffs third quarter scouting report fans it is the third quarter time for our scouting report and um We are really, really excited to have our next guest because this is a busy time, obviously, Um, a lot going on with the WNBA playoffs. But we had an opportunity to get um, arguably the hottest player, I would say, in the playoffs right now. And that is Washington Mystics guard Christy Tolliver. Welcome to the show, Christy. Thank you for having me. Um, So let's just, I guess, start out talking about this Washington Mystics team because coming into the season, major changes to the roster, including bringing in um, yourself from L.A., um, Elena Deladon from Chicago, Mike Tebow, you know, just talked about bringing in experience and and winners. Um, When you look hindsight at kind of how this team has come together over the course of this season – how has that happened in a, in, a, in a way that has gotten you to the semifinals
6: round of the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, it's been quite a journey. I mean, we've we've dealt with a lot of adversity, um, you know, a lot of highs and lows with injuries. Uh, you know, Emma leaving for Europe and coming back. Um, you know, it's been an interesting year for us. And, and I'm not sure if anybody really truly counted us in for, for being in the position that we're in right now. But um I think that's why, like you said, like Mike said, bringing in winners and people with high expectations, um, you know, we set the bar high for ourselves and we're able to just kind of deal with what, whatever was thrown in front of us. And, you know, this has been a very resilient group through the course and everybody's kind of stayed the course. And I'm just really happy, um, you know, for this organization and for these for my teammates, um, you know, just to be in this position and experiencing this kind of festival.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you look at what you guys have had to endure this season, Mike Tebow should definitely take a bow. I mean, um, you mentioned Emma missing a month. Taylor Hill, who was a big part of your team, lost to an ACL tear. Elena Deladon missing nine games with various injuries. Natasha Cloud. Um, You know, Crystal Thomas is another addition to this team that's kind of an unsung Mm -hmm. hero because – uh, she's She was new, you know, coming in and, and was supposed to be in a limited role but has performed at a high level. Ruffin Pratt has has been that utility player for your team. Um, but looking at your decision to come to, to Washington, for those that don't know, I know that Phoenix was in heavy consideration. Um, what was that decision-making process like for you? How did you end up choosing
6: um, D.C.? Yeah, I mean, it was... It was a tough decision um, just initially because, you know, I loved L.A. so much. And I loved the city. I loved how they embraced the team. I loved my teammates, coaching staff, um, you know, Penny, GM, you know, all the way to the top. Everybody was just, you know, supported me the, the way that I supported them. So it wasn't easy for me to just believe. Um, but I just felt like I was ready for a new chapter in my playing career and, you know, I've had so many teachers and so many great players and and coaches, uh, you know, there that I just felt like I've absorbed so much and I want to just pass that on and pay that forward. And I thought that, um, Washington was a, was a good place to do that. It was a good fit just because of the youth, um, you know, the history of the team, them, you know, not being successful, um, you know, making any kind of playoff run since 2002, um, you know, the stars just kind of aligned and I knew that, you know, we had, we had pieces um, and I knew that people were going to count us out. And that also drives me um, as a player. Mm -hmm. And and so I thought it was a good fit. I mean, with Phoenix, Phoenix was tough because, you know, with Sandy Rondello and Sinatra, Bernie Greiner, who I was all with um, overseas in Russia, you know, those are my very, very good friends and people that I hold very close to my heart. And so, um, it was hard to to step away from that opportunity, but I felt that that opportunity would have been so close to what I had in L.A. I really wanted to, to stretch myself and branch out, and, and that's why I landed in NBC. In
1: it's interesting you bring up, you know, just the underdog situation because um, thinking about s- some of your better performances, whether it's Maryland and you're, you're a freshman and everybody's, you know, counting a young team out, um, you know, you hit big shot to, to help your team to advance to win a championship, or you know, just all of those moments. You you seem to come with the unexpected. You seem to thrive in those environments. And um, you know, round one, you guys beat Dallas. Uh, really had to to grit it out, to gut it out, physical game. You know, I, I thought your rebounding obviously was huge, but. You, you win at home, which I know the Washington Mystics fans are so happy about. <laughs> and That advancement is important to the organization. And then you go to New York, um, where you're facing a team that had won 10 consecutive games. You're playing in Madison Square Garden. You did not have your best game against, against Dallas. You did play well um, down, the ret- re- the, down the stretch of the regular season against Minnesota and so on. But... You come into New York and give one of the greatest shooting performances that Madison Square Garden has ever seen, and definitely the greatest shooting performance I've ever seen, hitting nine three-pointers contested. I mean, I, I, I go back, and I was probably more critical of New York than I should have been. <laughs> like, uh, But my question was, why do they keep letting her catch the ball? Because once you caught it, it was going in. <laughs> Just take us through those moments and what was happening there for you as you were just um, hitting every shot you wanted to hit.
6: Yeah. I mean, in that game, I think everybody was thriving in their position. And whether it was on the defensive end, the offensive end, you know, we people were being good screeners. You know, people were getting all over the, the defensive and offensive boards. You know, everybody was doing their job. And, and my job in that game was to make shots, to be a shot maker. And, um I was able to thrive in that and just kind of answer the call and um you know I knew heading into that game that we were going to need a big performance by someone and and it kind of just goes back to the reason why I wanted to be here cuz I wanted to be that person and so you know that day was my day and um on the offensive end and you know nobody wins it by themselves i mean everybody did their part and did their job and and you don't beat a team like New York if everybody isn't contributing and doing their thing. So I'm glad that, you know, everybody was on the same page and just playing so hard. And and it just shows that, you know, this team, they, they really want, we really want to win and really prove to others, you know, what we already know we're capable of. And uh, it's just a lot of fun. It's Madison Square Garden and, and it's it's always fun when the ball goes in there.
0: So uh,
1: you you say this so nonchalantly and I was actually talking to Taylor Hill because there's this clip of her like kind of hyping you up on the bench when you guys after you hit all those shots and she was like <laughs> she's so laid back and you are like you're super when you came over to the table and told Pam and I that you were nervous before the game we did not believe you we were like look at her she looks you know and Pam could tell you know pre-game she was like something looks different about Christy but you seem so calm in those moments and whether it was Maryland or whether it's last year in the fourth quarter in game five, you know, hitting a game-changing shot or what you did in the garden, how have you developed that mentality that you're able to stay so emotionally, you keep yourself in position to make big plays by not getting too high or too low? And then also, how did you develop the, sh- the mentality that you really believe every shot is going in? Because a lot of players need that. When I talk to coaches, you know, they say, you know, if she hit, if she misses a couple shots, that's it. She's done. Like, how do you develop the clutch gene? But then how do you also just keep your confidence despite what may be happening? Because you didn't start off hot in the garden. Well, first
6: of all, that was supposed to be a secret between us three. And you just told the world that I was never still game. So now you owe me two cups of cold coffee.
1: Okay, two rounds of golf it is and Good. two cups of cold coffee.
6: <laughs> oh. I mean, I think the clutch, Jean, you know, it comes from trusting your training. And, you know, since I was, you know, a little kid, um, you know, I was just very fundamentally sound. And, you know, my dad taught me how to shoot the basketball. Um, he taught me, you know, the right spots to get to on the floor, your comfort. Um. And so, and I think this, the level of calmness, that's just me. That's just my personality. Um, You know, I don't get too high. don't get too low. Um, It was a running joke in L.A. in my seven years that the fans, they said I never smiled. And it was
1: just my was dad just a says that of, too, by the way. My dad says that too about you. He's been saying it for years. He's like, Christy has this face. Like, he, he's like, <laughs> he says the same thing. If you don't smile, you're very serious. You're very locked in. Go ahead. Sorry. That's, yeah, that's
6: my Kobe Bryant, you know, focused mentality face. <laughs> Mamba mood.
3: No, um, I like it. I do.
6: I just, it's just, and it's very, I mean, Tim Duncan, there are different players that just have, you know, Something about them. Some are super excitable. Some aren't. Um, but I've just always tried to keep just a level head and a focus, um, no matter if it's a pickup game or if it's a game five, you know, championship game. I mean, I think yeah. you just kind of have to keep that kind of con- consistency, and then just trust your training. I mean, I've shot the ball a bajillion times in my life. There, I don't. There's nothing to be afraid of. Um, yeah you know, when you know the amount of work that you put in in your craft, then you seek out those opportunities. You don't run from them and I just always have had that.
1: Yeah. That I mean it's it's amazing to watch how you've been able to consistently bring that same level of confidence throughout your career and, and again that same emotional stability which I think is so underrated in sport, you know, but I mean, I'm sure in golf yeah. it's a it's an even bigger deal. You know, a sport where you really have to to stay even, you know, not too high, too low in those moments. Um, So now you are facing the Giant. You've got the Minnesota Lynx, the number one overall seed, um, who was coming off of eight days of rest. I mean, your team ran into – Uh, a team that's not only focused and ready for the playoffs, they have tons more playoff experience than what your roster has. Uh, They have who I think will be the MVP in Sylvia Fowles, former MVP Maya Moore, Um, and they really came at you guys in in game one. Um, What did you learn from that game that you guys can take forward in this series to to try to compete with a, a very determined Minnesota Lynx team?
6: Yeah, I mean, we knew that, you know, the other night was not going to be an easy task and they were rested. They're hungry. Um, You know, they want to get back to the finals. You know, and I saw the look in their eyes after game five and they were ready to play game six the next day. You know, Um, (laughs) they're extremely determined and hungry and talented and experienced. And, you know, that hasn't changed. They've been that for the past, you know, three, four years. Um, They're extremely talented. They know how to play with one another and they know how to read off of one another Um, They have a great leader in in Lindsey Whalen, who I think people don't talk enough about. Um, Just her presence being back, I think that just lifts their team up. Um, So we have our hands full. You know, they're going to be physical. They're going to deny passes. They're going to make every catch tough. uh, They're going to be in you. Um, But at the same time, you know, I think our team, we just need to take a a breath. Uh, We just had two very physical and emotional games in Dallas and New York. And, you know, it's definitely not time to... To push the panic button. And I think everybody feels good about our chances um, tomorrow and moving forward. Obviously, adjustments need, need to be made, whether it's on court or, or mentally, um, to just kind of recharge ourselves, recharge the battery. And, um, you know, we have the pieces and we still believe we have the pieces and we do. And, um, you know, obviously we need to be a little bit more assertive um, on both ends of the floor. Um, aggressive, you know, take some risks um, in certain ways. And just, mm-hmm. you know, just get after them. You know, you can't be passive against a team that's so hungry and so determined to win. Um, you've got to match that level.
1: Yeah, and I think it takes a game, at least in my opinion. I mean, going back to the best of five series last year when you guys won the first game, I, I, you that is mm-hmm. the outlier. But I think sometimes it takes – especially in a, a rather playoff and experienced team like like you guys to, to get a feel for Minnesota because they're so different from every other team you play. It's kind of like they punch you in the face, right? You're like, oh, gosh. Like, they really – because they have so many weapons, especially on the offensive end, and then they're able to go back and get yeah. their defense set. Um, curious for you – um, Williams Arena is that a shooter's gym? I mean, you, you you definitely cooled off a little bit from MSG, but the depth in that place, the raised floor, um, yeah. And of course, I know you could probably turn any gym into a shooter's gym. But what is it like shooting in that arena?
6: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely different when you're used to playing in professional arenas. Just you know, the depth, reception, everything. You know, the raised the raised uh, floor. It's a pretty hard floor. I, I don't know if it's cement or under there. It feels like overseas. Um, really? So there's a there's a lot going on on that floor. But uh, no, it's a, it's a great venue. It's a great place. And I mean, Rachel Banham averaged like fifty thousand points there. So she's a pretty good shooter. So I would definitely say it's a shooter's gym. We just got to figure it out. <laughs> That's a very good point. Very good point. For fans that don't
1: know, uh, the Lynx will be playing their playoffs in the Barn, Williams Arena, which is where the Minnesota Gophers play their basketball. Uh, Christy, before we let you go, um, were there any comments after your performance at, at Madison Square Garden or any moments from, from other people or former teammates or coaches or anyone or family that stood out to you uh, that maybe reached out after uh, your historic performance?
6: Yeah, I mean, I got a lot of text messages from a lot of different people, former coaches, you know, former teammates. Um, everybody just really happy, happy for us, happy for me, just having that kind of performance there. Um, I saw, I got a, a little video from uh, Elena, having showing me the LA team watching the game and their their excitement. So to me, that's that's special. Um, that really, really meant a lot to me. Um, also, congratulations, Elena Beard, Defensive Player of the Year. It's about freaking Yay! time she won last year. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so, yeah, got a lot of love, and it was, that was great.
1: Well, I'll tell you, you brought a lot of excitement to the game. You reminded everyone, just um, you know, of the quality of play in, in this league, especially from a shooting standpoint. To have you shoot that way in the garden, and then Simone turn around and. and Game one of the semifinals. I mean, this is the best basketball in the world. I say it every, every, every night. I'll be definitely blessed to get to cover this league. But um, thank you for those moments that we will never forget. And uh, good luck to your team the rest of the way. Thanks for your time, Christy. And
6: uh, we'll see you tomorrow. All right. I'll be expecting a uh, cold coffee.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can All do. Right. <laughs> Fourth quarter. Out of Bounds. Fans, it's the fourth quarter. We are going out of bounds. Um, Something very special this week, as I mentioned earlier in the show, we are playing Rebecca Lobo's Hall of Fame speech in its entirety. The best speech um, I've ever heard for a Hall of Fame induction. Funny, Rebecca's family, her husband Steve was there and her children. It was just a fantastic moment. So um, we want you to, to stick around for that. But as always, we want to thank you for Listening to Around the Rim, please reach Tarika and I via social media with any comments, questions, concerns. Hashtag Around the Rim, especially on Twitter. Uh, you will find Tarika at sports underscore and I am at LaChinaRobinson. Um, you can subscribe to Around the Rim to hear about all the wonderful things happening in women's basketball on the ESPN app. Um, you can also subscribe via Apple Podcast. leave your comments, reviews, all of the above there. But thank you for all the fans. I, when I run into you on the road, I, I see so many people that are excited about the podcast and listen. Um, every, every listener counts. You know, I mean, we're growing our game in whatever way we can. So we just want to thank you for that. And now we will hear from newly minted Hall of Famer, Rebecca Lobo.
4: I thought you only sat on a throne. (laughs) A few years ago, after I had worked a UConn game as a sideline reporter, I saw Coach Oriyama and he said to me, "Uh, Rebecca, in the future, when you interview me, can you please take off your (laughs) heels? So ever since then, that's what I've done when I've uh, interviewed him. And when I asked him a couple months ago if he would be willing to uh, present me tonight, I said, I promise I'll take off my heels. And he said, I'll present you, provided you let me wear your heels. (laughs) We'll save that for later. I grew up 15 miles from here in Southwick, Massachusetts. My middle school coach, Lynn Larrabee, and my high school coach, Jim Vincent, taught me how to play. The people in that town helped raise me, and I hope they all take some amount of pride in this. The people who actually raised me and supported me and drove me to practices and sacrificed were my parents. My father is here. Dad, thank you. I love you. I started playing basketball because I wanted to be like my older brother and my older sister. I adored them and wanted to emulate them. My brother Jason played basketball at Dartmouth. He is now a judge in Connecticut. We like to say that his college career prepared him well to sit on the bench. (laughs) My sister Rachel and I played together for two years in high school, and this was the late 80s, so we both had big hair, the exact same hairstyle as Eddie Van Halen at the time. And uh, perhaps because of that distraction, I scored a lot of points in high school, but half of them were on assists from her. So thank you, Rachel, for being here. Now, I went to UConn because I wanted to play for Coach Oriema and Chris Daly, And it was the best basketball decision of my life. Now when I work games, whether I'm in an arena calling a game or in studio, I get texts from Chris Daly for almost every game. Um, And about 50% of the time, the text just says, I just pressed mute. (laughs) So, CD, who is here, you can't press mute tonight. Thank you so much for the role you have had in getting me here and the role you've had in my life. My senior year at UConn was one of the most magical seasons in the history of women's college basketball. Pam, Jamel, Kara, Carla, Keisha... Thanks for making that such a fun ride. Jen Rosati is here, and she is one of my best friends and best teammates. And Jen, thank you so much for being by my side for, for so much of my basketball career. Now, professional basketball didn't exist in the United States when I was a kid, but playing professionally was a dream of mine. When I was in the sixth grade, I wrote a letter to Red Auerbach and said, I am going to be the first girl to play for the Boston Celtics. I wasn't, but because of David Stern, Adam Silver, Val Ackerman, Renee Brown, I was able to realize that dream in the WNBA. Now I get to watch my oldest daughter light up when she talks about Brianna Stewart or my 11-year-old Beam when she puts on her Tina Charles jersey. I have three daughters who play basketball, so the WNBA means even more to me now than it did when I was playing in it. We lot, watch a lot of women's basketball in our house because that's my job. And about when my oldest daughter was about five years old, it was March Madness, so I was on the road calling a basketball game, and my husband was watching the Yukon men's team. And my five-year-old came in and looked at the TV, and she said, Daddy, are those boys playing basketball? And he said, yes, they are. And she said, I didn't know boys played basketball, too. <laughs> I spent the early years of the WNBA in New York and my Liberty teammates were special. Sue, Spoon, Kim, Coquise, thanks for your friendship and help in getting me here. When I retired from playing, I got the chance to, as my kids say, talk ball game. When ESPN hired me, I'm thankful to Pat Lowry and Tina Thornton for giving me the opportunity to do this job that I love. But no one tells you how to do it except for everybody on Twitter. I am grateful to her two mentors and friends in particular, and that's Doris Burke and Holly Rowe. You are great friends who've been with me along this ride, and I thank you for being here tonight. Now, my husband and I met the old-fashioned way, in a dive Irish bar in in New York City. And... He was and is a a columnist for Sports Illustrated, and I read his columns all the time. And about two weeks before we met, he'd written this article in Sports Illustrated, and it had a throwaway line in it, and it said, much like Wilt Chamberlain, I too slept with 8,000 women last night. I was at a New York Liberty game. So that night when I met him I said, I know who you are, aren't you the guy who wrote that joke about the New York Liberty and he blushed more than he is right now and he said, uh, yes I am. And I said, well how many games have you been to? And he said, none. And I said, well obviously or else you would have been sleeping with 12,000 women because that's how many fans we average. But since then, he has been to hundreds of WNBA and women's college games and most exciting of all, 10-year-old girls' AAU basketball games. (laughs) When I found out I was being inducted into the Hall of Fame, I texted Steve and I said, Tonight, you get to sleep next to a Naismith Hall of Famer. (laughs) And his response was, Great, exclamation mark. Larry Bird, question mark. (laughs) And Larry, yes, we know, he has to stay at least 15 feet away. (laughs) My four kids, Siobhan, Maeve, Thomas, and Rose, I am so proud of you all, mostly for behaving tonight. It's a long (laughs) night. Now, if anyone has ever coached their own kids, they know the joys of that. But there's also some big challenges. I coach my kids. And if you coach your kids, you know, they don't listen to you. And my oldest daughter, for the first time about a year ago, played and, and got a chance to be coached by a different coach. And she was out in the driveway working on a post move. And I came over and I said, uh, Siobhan, if you want to get the post move, you got to get low. I want you know get a low dribble, get your center of gravity low, and then explode up. And she said, yeah, but what we worked on in practice, Coach D showed us the high dribble. And, and to come to the side, I said... I know, but you're tall and and he's teaching it for a guard. You're tall, you need to get low. I want your dribble low and go up. And she kept arguing with me. No, Coach D said to do it this way. I said, Siobhan, Coach D is a 5'8 orthodontist. (laughs) When I was in third grade, It was the first time I got a chance to play on a basketball team. I signed up in the town of Southwick in the Park and Rec League to play. And my mom got a call and they said, uh, we're sorry, only two girls signed up, so there's not a team and Rebecca can't play. And my mom said, no, that just means you have to let her play on the boys' team. And so she brought me down. The other girl decided not to play, and I was the only girl on the team. And my mom said to the coach, I want you to treat Rebecca the exact same way that you treat all the boys. If they run sprints, she runs sprints. If you're yelling at them, you need to yell at her. So the only exception is, if you play shirts and skins, I want her on the shirts team. (laughs) No one would have appreciated this Hall of Fame honor more than my mother. I love you, Mom. And no one would have appreciated more seeing you in my heels. (laughs) When you recruited me, you knew I belonged at UConn. You knew I was meant to play for you. And fortunately, I knew that too. And I followed my heart. And you have completely changed my life. And for that, I thank you. You have changed my life and I am here tonight completely because of you. Thank you.